From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thank you for inviting me into your home, your log cabin deep in the woods and off the grid, your long-haul truck, your RV, your trailer, or your caravan, as they call them in the UK. Maybe you're listening in on our flagship station, AM740 Zuma Radio, uh, here in Toronto, or one of our growing list of affiliates in the U.S., or worldwide on the podcast, or through the, the live stream on YouTube, on our uh, HOA, or Hangout on Air, or perhaps you're listening in on our new Conspiracy Show, which is now available at Google Play and iTunes. Wherever and however you're listening, welcome aboard. Come on in, grab a stool by the fire, and relax. You're among friends. Tim Spreen, my capable user, is here, captaining this ship. And Albert Vinzel just uh, dropped by, a story producer, with uh, some water. El- uh, Albert, you might want to go in and say hello to Tim, because our guest... We can't reach him. The phone number is a text-only number. So go and uh, confer with uh, with Tim and uh, see if we can sort that out. Okay. Um, I mentioned our new our Conspiracy Show app. Yes, it's available now at Google Play and iTunes. Very excited about that. And uh, Sharon Forster, the developer we're hoping to bring on next week, just to walk us through this remarkable piece of uh, technology. All right. Um, what else? Oh, um, Albert has also... He's just doing amazing uh, work here for us. Albert has posted some little tidbits up at richardserrett.com in the the slide carousel, uh, including a great piece from the Boston Globe, which seems to confirm much of what we've addressed on this program, uh, at least when it comes to power politics, particularly in the United States. Um, and it's um, it's all about you know why we keep voting for change and never and change never comes. In fact, I was having this conversation over dinner with uh, our special guest host tonight, Richard Astley. I'll introduce you to uh, Richard in just a second. Once again, um, but it's you know the voters who put Barack Obama in office expected some big changes, from NSA's warrantless wiretapping to Guantanamo Bay to the Patriot Act. But candidate candidate Obama was a defender of civil liberty and privacy, promising a dramatically different approach from his predecessor. But six years, well, longer now, uh, seven years into his administration, the Obama version of national security looks almost indistinguishable from the one he inherited. Guantanamo Bay remains open. The NSA has, if anything, become more aggressive in monitoring Americans. Drone strikes have escalated. Most recently, it was reported that the same president, who won a Nobel Prize in part for promoting nuclear disarmament, is spending up to $1 trillion modernizing and revitalizing America's nuclear weapons. Why did the face in the Oval Office change, but the policies remained the same? Well, if that question intrigues you, then you'll you'll want to read this piece again. Just log on to richardserrett.com and uh, go to the slide carousel and click on the slide titled Vote all you want. The secret government won't change. All right, uh, let's say hi to our special guest host again tonight. Richard Astley from Oshawa uh, was our contest winner from our last live event in Oshawa back in April. He won a seat in the studio here as co-host, co-producer. Richard, welcome once again. How are you? Thank you again. Thank you again for dinner. It was delicious. (laughs) You're quite welcome. I don't know how much of a prize that was having dinner with me. The food was good. I hope the company likewise. Communication uh, was better. It was an awesome talk. All right. Uh, You enjoying yourself? Oh, very much so. It's like I get look, look behind the veil. There you go. Well, we asked uh, Richard to help us produce the show, and uh, there were two burning issues uh, that he wanted to discuss on the show. One was Bigfoot, which we covered recently with uh, Dr. Melba Ketchum, and uh, she of the, uh, the Sasquatch Genome Project. The other was Stanley Kubrick, the great American film director, screenwriter, producer, cinematographer, uh, and an editor. Uh, he was in, he was born in, uh, in in New York, but he largely worked out of the out of the UK. And of course, he directed uh, such epics uh, as uh, Spartacus, uh, Doctor Strangelove, one of my all time favorites, 2001: Space Odyssey, of course, Clockwork Orange, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, and uh, his his last film, Eyes Wide Shut. And uh, some say he was also responsible for shooting the 1969 uh, lunar landing hoax. Um, we actually uh, booked this show. A couple of weeks ago, but as it turns out, uh, it's quite timely because earlier this week, I'm not sure if you caught this, but a Russian official um, named Vladimir Markin, who is the spokesman for Russia's investigative committee, uh, had penned a column in uh, Izvestia 
the newspaper. And the, the, the column was ostensibly about the FIFA scandal. He was commenting on that. But then he veered off in this strange direction and he started talking about the Apollo 11 mission and saying that it too should be investigated. And uh, Markin cited the loss of the original Apollo 11 moon landing video and the disappearance of 400 kilograms, about 882 pounds, of lunar rocks collected during the Apollo missions as items worthy of a full-scale probe. Now, uh, Markin who said, we are not contending that they did not fly to the moon and simply made a film about it, but all of these scientific or perhaps cultural artifacts are part of the legacy of humanity and their disappearance without a trace is our common loss. An investigation, he wrote, will reveal what happened. This was uh, in a translation from the Moscow Times. So uh, we thought that was quite timely and it would be great if we could talk to a, a gentleman who has great insights into the fabled filmmaker, Stanley Kubrick, the late Stanley Kubrick. Uh, he is, now, do we have, uh, are we able to contact our guest? No way of contacting him? All right, we are trying to track down a, a workable number. Now, if uh, Jay Widener is listening, we are not able to contact you, Jay, so if you could reach out to us, let me give you the, uh, the studio number. 416-360-0, sorry, let me try that again, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, or Jay, you can call us toll free at 1-866-740-4740, He's been called by Wired Magazine, an authority on the hermetic and alchemical traditions, an erudite conspiracy hunter. Jay Widener is a, a renowned author, filmmaker, and of course um, uh, the director of two powerful, uh, insightful documentaries, Kubrick's Odyssey Part 1 and 2. Uh, the second one was called Beyond the Infinite. And, uh, of course, he's been fe- uh, he- featured in uh, the History Channel, on the History Channel, in the uh, the documentary The Lost Book of Nostradamus. Uh, just involved in a lot of different things, but we're hoping to reach uh, Jay Widener uh, to talk about Stanley uh, Kubrick and whether or not it's possible that he may have been involved in some capacity in perhaps faking the lunar landing or at least filming it on a soundstage uh, for the purposes of, um, well, who knows what. Uh, and until we reach Jake, we won't ha- have the answer to that. Um, let me throw the lines open, though, while we're waiting for Jay Widener, while we're reaching out to Jay Widener. And we'll just turn this into open out, into uh, open phone lines until Jay joins us. So let me give you the numbers right now. Because we are approaching the uh, the anniversary of the lunar landing. Uh, now, Richard Astley, my uh, special guest host, you mentioned something quite interesting uh, because we were talking about Kubrick and the last film, Eyes Wide Shut, which is sort of ostensibly about... Uh, you know, the Illuminati and the secret uh, sex cult and so forth that Tom Cruise's character uh, becomes involved in. And um, uh, that was Kubrick's swan song because he died uh, bef- just before the film was released. Four days, actually. After four days. He, he, uh, four days after he um, actually showed it to the producers and Kidman and Cruise. And then, uh, yeah, passed away. They, he showed him his final cut, and four days later, unfortunately, he passed. That's right. Now... You mentioned a connection between Eyes Wide Shut and the the lunar landing, and what is that? If you follow Widener's uh, theory there with um, getting the moon landing footage and making it, um, Kubrick wanted to say something to the public, and it meant a lot to him that he'd actually done this. He made sure in his contract that Eyes Wide Shut was released on July 16, 1999, exactly 30 years after Apollo 11 launched. That's right. It launched July 16, 1969. And, of course, the, the landing took place four days later on July 20th. So we are about a month away from the anniversary. Uh, why don't we throw, throw the, open, the, the phone lines open and find out. At, here we are now, 46 years later, approaching the 46th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission. Uh, Apollo 13 was uh, just on, on TV the other night with, with Tom Hanks. Uh, but um, 
let me take a, a quick sounding here on the phones. Do you believe the lunar landing was a hoax? 416-360-0740. Or toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Again, here in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. Now, uh, it has been suggested, I, I talked to Jay Widener uh, on this very program maybe five years ago. And if memory serves, what Widener said at that time was, uh, no, we landed on the moon, but, but Kubrick, uh, using some of the same film equipment that he used for Space, uh, Space Odyssey, 2001 Space Odyssey. He was saying Odyssey. it was a simultaneous production. Right. They were, he was, Kubrick was hired to, while you're making 2001, on the side, we're going to give you money, you're going to make us the moon landing footage. Right. But the idea was, uh, I'm trying to remember here, but I believe Widener said, it's not that, that the, the lunar landing never took place. It's that, I, I believe it was at Nixon's behest, that they wanted this footage in the bank in case something went wrong with the transmission, because they had so much vested in this. This was the space race against, you know, their Cold War enemies. And uh, they uh, they absolutely had to make certain that the world saw this. And so they shot it on the soundstage. Uh, and and uh, that's what we saw back on uh, July 20th, 1969. A plan B, almost. A plan B. We have All to right. win. Okay, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll get to uh, Andy in New York and others as we discuss the lunar landing, a hoax or not. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Special guest host Richard Astley joins me in studio. Of course, uh, Tim Spreen and Albert here as well. We are talking about the upcoming 46th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission to the moon. We were to be joined by uh, Jay Widener, uh, a Kubrick uh, ologist, if you will, who's made a number of uh, significant documentaries about the fabled filmmaker. And um, it has been suggested uh, from many quarters that Kubrick was somehow involved in filming a, uh, a lunar landing uh, hoax on a soundstage uh, while at the same time filming uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. And uh, in previous conversations with Jay Widener, I, I believe he told me that that doesn't mean the actual uh, lunar landing didn't happen. It just meant that... Kubrick was assigned this task of filming something on a soundstage as a backup, as a plan B, in case the transmission uh, was not broadcast, because they wanted they wanted to make sure Nixon, his administration, NASA, wanted to make sure the world saw this, including, of course, their Cold War enemy, uh, the Soviet Union, wanted to make sure this went out to the world. This this was a success. Uh, so. Let me get your take, and we will begin. Do we have uh, Andy in New York? Andy, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Yeah, hi Richard. How are you doing? I'm very well, sir. You Whereabouts said in New York? Much what I was going to say. Okay. But, uh, I believe we definitely did go to the moon, but I have it on pretty good authority, and I can't quote. I'm sorry. Uh, that that what we saw was actually produced here on Earth. I'm not sure. I don't think Stanley Kubrick or somebody, but somebody else it was done. I don't know whether it was done in the desert or on a soundstage or what, but that were not actual pictures. And the reason I had been told, again, on pretty good authority, as to why we didn't see live pictures from the moon was because of the ruins, which are everywhere. Ah, right. And yes. they, they, there's no way they could have photographed it and not shown those things. They would have had to doctor the film too much. And I think... I'm, I'm just guessing now. This is chiefly con- conjecture and speculation on my part. But the reason probably why the footage disappeared was because the technology that's available now in 2015 that wasn't available then could reveal some of the flaws within it. So 
whatever reason, they mislaid it, which is, doesn't make – I mean, you know, ask yourself. We go to the moon, you know, we take pictures, and they lost the film. Give me a break. Yes, nobody, that does – Nobody buys that. No, that does Unless seem – they buy into the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and, uh, you know, the other things. That so. does seem very odd. My, my uh, contention uh, for some time has been that the, the conspiracy isn't that – you know, we didn't land on the moon in '69, like you. I, b- I believe we did. Oh yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I think that I think the the real interesting aspect of this is that we likely got there much earlier. I think we may have been there a decade earlier, possibly. I know nothing about that. No, I have no way of uh, you know I have no way of uh, confirming that, obviously. But uh, just in in speaking with a number of researchers in the arena of the the secret space programs. Um, and uh, when, we, when, we, when we look at a lot of the information uh, that, that Boeing was researching on anti-gravitics uh, dating back to the early 1950s and then into the mid to late 50s, uh, Boeing seemed to be on the cusp of a, a major breakthrough when it, when it came to anti-gravitics. And then all of a sudden, complete silence, media blackout, never heard from again on this subject. So I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking that that may have... Uh, been a clue that um, uh, you know we were far more developed in 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 terms of space travel, and then we have of course people like Ben Rich from Skunk Works, who uh, went on record a number of times, uh, and then confirmed later on his deathbed that um, uh, I believe his exact words Star Wars look archaic. Yes, he said we have we now have the technology to send ET home, uh, which is a rather cryptic <laughs> message, but I I think we know what that means. Albert, well, it's going to be interesting when either China or India or one of these other countries goes to the moon and comes back, and we'll see what happens. Indeed, China is on the cusp, uh, and um, yes, if if they if they get up there, you know, what will they find, and what um, maybe they'll have to hire somebody else to uh, to film the landing on a sound stage somewhere in uh, Sichuan Province or something. Either that, or they could tell the truth and make uh, completely dissolve the credibility of the United States government in the eyes of the United States people. Well, this is back a, with films and stuff and say this is what really was so and this is what was, what you weren't shown. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is a very interesting comment by this uh, this Russian official uh, who is sort of, you know, he's he's dancing on this very carefully saying, "Well, I'm not saying they faked it, but where is the video?" It's an interesting uh, shot that he's fired across the bow. But uh, we're also financially tied together with China to such an extent that I don't, I don't think China would do anything to undermine the solvency of the United States. And who knows what would happen if that, was, that cat was let out of the bag. So we'll just have to wait and see. Indeed, you make an excellent point. I appreciate the Great call. Great talking to you, Richard. Likewise, my friend. Thank Bye-bye. you. 416-360-0740. and toll-free from out of town, one 740 4740 As we approach the 46th anniversary of the lunar landing, I believe I said July 20th, but it was July 21st, uh, 1969, uh, when the Apollo 11 mission to the moon was uh, deemed a success, although some of you may cling to the notion that that was, in fact, a fable, a myth, a hoax, and perhaps Stanley Kubrick played some role in that, that he filmed the landing on a soundstage. 416-360-416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. Let me turn once again to my, uh, my co-host, Richard Astley. Uh, so, where are you in this? You be- do you believe that, that, that the Apollo 11 mission went to the moon, or do you believe it was a hoax? Um, well, I'm, with more of the Kubrick approach really in, got me thinking, because he would be the one you would go to at that time if you need somebody to film the footage because of what he'd done with Dr. Strangelove and what he was planning to do with 2001. So if that was your decision to fake it, he's your go-to guy. I, yeah, I think that we've been there probably more often than they've told us. So I'm, I'm in your camp, whether or not that was before or whether or not that's afterwards. Like I think missions have obviously continued after right. the Apollo missions. Well, the, the, then the big question becomes, you know, why did they stop in 1973? Yeah. Why didn't we go back? And it's the shuttle program and all that. Why is... Much has been made about the, uh, the Van Allen belts, uh, this uh, radiation uh, that exists, you know, beyond um, the Earth's atmosphere. And it has been suggested that... Uh, you know, flying to the moon would be a physical impossibility. 
because of these Van Allen belts. And um, I've gone back and I've, I've looked into this. And Van Allen himself, apparently, from what I can gather, never actually said that. Uh, it's just been assumed that Van Allen was suggesting that you know we couldn't survive. The, the, the shielding necessary to protect astronauts uh, from the Van Allen belts, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't build that type of ship. You'd never get it off the ground. Um, however, um, you know, we can go back and forth on this probably all night. And why don't we, at least for the next half hour? 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. And uh, Tim, who do we have again? Is it Steve? Steve, are you there? Steve's in Guelph. Hey, Steve, welcome. Good morning. Um, good morning to you. Um, I was just wondering what you thought about, um, so you were talking about how possibly Stanley Kubrick, um, he uh, filmed parts of the moon landing during 2001. And you know how there's all the um, things with the shadows um, not working out with the sun and whatever? Like right, because you only have one light source, the sun. And yet the the shadows apparently... Uh, when people have analyzed the, uh, the the myriad photographs, the shadows don't line up. It, it, it appears that there is more than one light source. Right. So it's been years since I've seen 2001, but I'm wondering if there are any similar things that happened in that movie. Um, I'm not sure what you mean, similar things. Uh, oh, like uh, like shadows being in the wrong places. Like so, it might be the same stage set. Well, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kubrick took great care in in lighting all of those scenes. But if it was shot on a sound on a sound stage or on a, on a movie set, and you're trying to uh, depict a lunar landing, you would only have one light source. Now, if you're shooting various scenes from 2001: Space Odyssey, um, you know, I, I, that's not necessarily going to be a problem. Um, uh, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah, I was just wondering because uh, I thought you would you might like take a lot of care uh, into like making a movie like if it's a lunar landing, you know. Well, one would think, you know, and and he was certainly a details guy. Uh, so yeah, w- w- why would he be so careless then? Is what you're suggesting as to allow uh, people then to to look at that and question it and say, wait a minute, they're on the moon, one light source, it's the sun. Why are we seeing different shadows? This is very sloppy. Uh, excellent point. Excellent that, point. Yeah, that, I just wanted to ask that question. But. And it's a good question, and that's what we do on this program. We ask well, questions. Have a good night. I love your show. Appreciate it, Stephen Guelph. Thank you for that. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from out of town, one 740 John is in Toronto. Good morning, John. Welcome. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I watch, listen to your show, and I enjoy it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, however, I have to disagree with this whole business of uh, the moon landing being a hoax or Stanley Kubrick having anything to do with it. And there are so many technical reasons why that couldn't be the, the case. Uh, you know, there was somebody last year said he was, uh, Kubrick had a special camera he was using. The camera he was using in his films were Panavision cameras, and that's a 16 by 9 image. And the image that was shown from the moon is a videotape television image. And so the quality and size of the picture is totally different. Excellent point. Excellent point. That's number one. Number two, if you were to do this in a studio, you would have anywhere from maybe 15, if you could have a very small crew, to 45 people. How do you keep them quiet? Right. And you'd have to have rehearsals with the astronauts. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get them, never mind the shadows, you wouldn't get them in focus. Well, that would that would easily be um, covered off. You don't necessarily have to have Neil Armstrong uh, or Buzz Aldrin because, you know, they're wearing helmets. You can't really identify them. However, you know, the other points you make are, pers- are yes, perfectly and, valid. And the fact that there's so many people involved, it's highly unlikely that no one, after all these years, would spill the beans on such a hoax. Well, uh, that's a good point, and I agree with you. 
for the most part. However, John, in terms of you know the the the, uh, the old bugaboo of how do you keep something like this secret? Now, I always offer up examples like the Manhattan Project, uh, which involved tens of thousands of scientists. Uh, now, granted, near the end, it was it was leaked, and and the uh, the Soviets found out about it. Uh, but for uh, for uh, a good length of time, nobody knew about it. Uh, you could also look at major military operations like Operation Overlord or D-Day, uh, which involved. Uh, many, 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 a multiple of people. Uh, and, and these things are kept quiet because of compartmentalization. I mean, uh, people need uh, to know only, are told only what they need to know. Yes, and, and they are kept quiet, but they're only kept quiet for a short period of time and under duress of war and threat of being shot as a spy if you were to reveal these secrets. Well, uh, you could perhaps make the same argument in the case of, uh, you know, during the height of the Cold War, the space race, if you divulge this, I wouldn't put it past the authorities to make a threat like that. However, uh, <laughs> as to all your other points, I think they're perfectly valid, and I, I, I do believe that we, we have been to the moon multiple times. Why do you think we haven't gone back? Oh, I think it's economics. They couldn't afford to continue that program. All right. I appreciate the call, Which John. Is why they're now oh. using a program with the Soviets. Yes, isn't that interesting? Uh, the the cooperation in terms of, uh, of of space, the International Space Station, and so forth, and yet on the ground, uh, the saber rattling persists. Yes, but in the in space, they can afford a mutual budget. Excellent point. All right, John, appreciate the call. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you. All right, four one six three six zero zero seven forty, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Robert is in East York. Robert, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Oh, thanks very much. Um, I'd just like to comment that uh, I don't think too many people have uh, contested the fact that uh, Apollo 8 uh, in 68, around Christmas, uh, uh, they left Earth's atmosphere and they did, a, um, they did an orbit of the moon, and they didn't land at that time. But... Um, that sort of proved that they had technology to leave the Earth's atmosphere and go to the, to be very close to the lunar surface. And so I don't think it's a big stretch to think that from Christmas of 68, uh, around that time that, you know, the next year they could, uh, they could actually land. So, uh, I think they actually landed and, uh, and I think it was real. That's true. We we uh, we don't talk a lot about Apollo Eight. Uh, although I'm, right. I, I I would suppose that some might suggest, well, that was was faked as well. Uh, not, you know, it's not difficult to. Uh, I haven't. I, I can't recall seeing uh, footage from Apollo Eight. So that would have been taken obviously entirely from inside the capsule. Who was who was uh, on, on board? Jim Lovell, I think, who later okay. became uh, president of Eastern Airlines, I believe, was the, the skipper. And I remember they were reading from Genesis, I think. They were reading from the Bible as they uh, they did their uh, their orbit of the moon. And uh, But I've never heard people say, well, you know, that never happened. Or I haven't. You know, I've, I've heard that they, they contested the uh, July 69 landing, but very few people have contested that they actually went to the moon before that. And so, to my mind, it's not a huge stretch to think that uh, they could have, they really did land in 69. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. 416-360-0740. Getting some great calls. Do you believe the July 21, 1969 lunar landing, the Apollo 11 mission, was a hoax? We'll get to more of your calls when the Conspiracy Show returns right after this. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. And uh, I was mentioning the Van Allen belts, of course, uh, named after James Van Allen. Uh, and it has sort of been held up that, you know, this is, the, uh, this is proof positive that we didn't get to the moon, uh, that we can't travel uh, beyond a low orbit into outer space because of this radiation, which have been named after Dr. James Van Allen, Van Allen Belt, and that this radiation would 
would kill us, would kill any living thing that traveled, again, beyond a low orbit. Now, here's what Dr. James Van, James Van Allen actually wrote in Space World magazine back in December of uh, 1961. Uh, let me see here if I can crib this before we get back to the phones. Uh, he said, but though mechanical and electronic qu- equipment can operate within the high radiation areas, a living organism... Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not his words. That's the conspiracy theorist saying that we, a living organism cannot survive this level of radiation uh, damage. And hence, all manned spaceflight attempts must steer clear of these two belts of radiation until adequate means of safeguarding the astronauts has been developed. But that, that has been ascribed to Dr. James Van Allen, but that's not what he said. And I'm trying to find you the exact quote, and perhaps uh, before the uh, the end of the program, I will get that for you. But right now, let's go back to the phones. We've got a full board of lines. Do you believe the Apollo 11 lunar landing was a hoax? Up next is, who do we have again, Tim? Tony is in Brampton, Ontario. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Good morning. I'm very fine, Richard. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Uh, no, I don't think it was a hoax. Uh, how would you uh, fake uh, the low-gravity of the astronauts bouncing around or the uh, two inches of thick dust on the on the ground without it uh, going all over the place. And the reason they didn't go up there after 74 was the Vietnam War. Now, I was in the Air Force on Guam and Thailand uh, in 67, and they were uh, you, sending off 40 sorties each of B-52 bombers from both places and, and uh, you know, with, with uh, 30 tons of bombs. And it was just too darn expensive. And, uh, and also at 74, I believe it was the U.S. went off the gold standard. Isn't that uh, something around that time? Uh, Nixon closed the, uh, the gold window in 1973, yes. 73, yeah. So it, it was just getting too costly. And I believe they got uh, what they wanted out of the moon uh, missions. And uh, there was, I, I believe there's advanced technology up there, and they were able to get what they want. All right. Excellent call. Thank you for it. Okay. Okay. And who do we have next, Tim? Mark is in Toronto. Good morning, Mark. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm very well, sir. Actually, I honestly think it, it was a very true story, but I got a feeling where anybody else lands up there, we're going to find out more than we want to find out. I think you're going to find there were a lot of failed missions that were never, ever disclosed or talked about. Interesting. So uh, you, like I do, believe that we were there earlier, or at least there were attempts to get there earlier. Yeah, I truly believe that. Because, like, uh, as advanced as the technology was at that time, it just only seems to make sense that there would have been some mistakes made. And it took probably several efforts to correct them. And, of course, we know about the one that truly worked. I agree. I, I, I think that, by and large, uh, the, um, the um, Apollo missions, Gemini, uh, the, uh, the space shuttle program, all window dressing. Uh, and I believe that there is a secret space program uh, that we know nothing about. And um, I'm not sure whether you know they're taking off from Tierra del Fuego or, or where, uh, but there are a lot of uh, missions going on that we know nothing about, but we're being distracted by, uh, as I say, the shuttle program, etc. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. You take care. Have a good day. Likewise. All right, Tim, who do we have next? Les is in Toronto. Good morning, Les. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the uh, lighting and the moon photographs. Yes. Uh, much has been said about that, but it's actually... Um, Lighting is actually a little more complicated than people suspect. Uh, there isn't just one light source. Um, okay, the sun. There's actually light from the, uh, the Earth. The re- and the reflective surface of the and moon. Plus the uh, reflection off of the astronauts themselves and the um, lunar uh, lander. Now, they said at the time, see, I remember watching this, this uh, lunar landing on, on television at the time. Right. And they told everybody that because there's no atmosphere on the moon, 
the light is very, very bright. It's like um, like an arc lamp. And they actually had to use special filters on the cameras in order to uh, take sensible photographs because of the extreme contrast. So you're, you're actually not seeing it as it actually is. Okay, it's filtered. And um, if you notice the visors on the um, uh, astronaut's helmet, they look black in the photographs. That's because they were heavily filtered, or the astronauts wouldn't see anything. But if you examine the photographs very carefully, even like the ones that um, uh, people hold up as being faked, if you examine them carefully, you'll see how, um, okay, you'll have uh, several light sources, and they can all be explained uh, from the, uh, the possibilities I just suggested. Uh, even uh, There's even one that um, shows a complex uh, reflection on the visor of, a, of an astronaut's helmet. Okay, and if you examine that closely, you'll see that an image bounced off the um, glass of the astronaut that's holding the camera, and then it's reflected onto the astronaut that's looking at him. Okay, and uh, I don't have a copy of that in front of me, so and it's been a while since I've seen it. But if you examine that carefully, you could actually use that the, as the opposite argument. Okay, there's proof that it is a real photograph. There you go. Fascinating. Now, answer me this, because um, this one is often sort of thrown out there as another uh, example, proof positive, that uh, the lunar landing was a hoax. And I, I don't know how to answer this. I'm not a astrophysicist or an engineer. Um, again, reiterating, I do believe that we landed on the, on the moon in July of 1969. Uh, but people will often say, well, where is the blast crater when the, uh, the, the landing module touched down or when it took off? There's no... You know, dust blowing around. There's no, there's no blast crater. How do we address that one? Uh, okay, uh, that one that I haven't heard. Okay, and I haven't, I don't remember seeing photographs of this, uh, but I do remember seeing um, the videos of the uh, astronauts uh, jumping around on the moon, and they did, they did stir up some dust. Okay, not very much. But you see, we did, you know, there wasn't any atmosphere, air to diffuse the dust um, as it arose. That's a fair explanation, uh, as good as I've heard. Too, also, too, is that people have mentioned, some people have said, oh, well, the flag, you know, there's a, the flag moves in the pictures, and that's impossible. Well, other people have said the flag only moves when they actually bumped into the pole, the flagpole. Right, so, okay. All right, that makes sense. Well, like you, I, I do believe that we did land on the moon in July of 1969. Uh, that may come as a shock to uh, some of you listening. This is, after all, the conspiracy show, but that's not one of them. There are probably are a whole host of uh, conspiracies surrounding the Apollo program. Uh, but again, we did land on the moon, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let me hear what you have to say. We'll uh, go to the phones again when we come back. 416-360-0740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. Uh, received this email from Gabe. I believe the lunar landing was real. Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey moon scenes were on the dark side of the moon. No issues with lighting. Some pictures of the astronauts show reflections in their masks. One ought to see some hint of studio lighting and equipment. All right, uh, thank you for that, Gabe. Now, further to the uh, question of the Van Allen belts, which, again, uh, some believe uh, posed such a dire threat to the uh, the lives of uh, not only the astronauts, but any living thing that would, uh, uh, you know, attempt to blast through this, this Van Allen belt, this uh, uh, radiation belt. And, uh, again, the general charge is, that, um, you know, radiation, all radiation is bad and all radiation is, is, is dangerous. Um, however, according to this website, clavius.org, uh, there is a deadly radiation, there is de deadly radiation in the Van Allen belts, but the nature of that radiation was known to the Apollo engineers and they were able to make suitable preparations. The principal danger of the Van Allen belts is high energy protons which are not that difficult to shield against. 
and the Apollo navigators plotted a course through the thinnest parts of the belt and arranged for the spacecraft to pass through them quickly, limiting the exposure. The Van Allen belts span only about 40 degrees of Earth's latitude, 20 degrees above and below the magnetic equator. Uh, the diagrams of Apollo's translunar trajectory printed in various press releases are not entirely accurate. They tend to show only a two-dimensional version of the actual trajectory. The actual trajectory was three-dimensional. The highly technical reports of Apollo, accessible to but not generally understood by the public, give the three-dimensional details of the translunar trajectory. Each mission flew a slightly different trajectory in order to access its landing site, but the orbital inclination of the translunar coast trajectory was always in the neighborhood of 30 degrees. Stated another way, the geometric plane containing the translunar tra trajectory was inclined to the Earth's equator by about 30 degrees. A spacecraft following that trajectory would bypass all but the edges of the Van Allen belts. This is not to dispute that passage through the Van Allen belts wouldn't be dangerous, uh, but NASA conducted uh, a series of experiments designed to investigate the nature of the Van Allen belts, culminating in the repeated uh, traversal of the Southern Atlantic Magnetic Anomaly, an intense low-hanging patch of Van Allen belt, by the Gemini 10 astronauts. There you go. So, I think, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that sort of lays to rest the, the, uh, the Van Allen belt dilemma. Now, if there's anyone else uh, who can prop, uh, perhaps offer up an explanation as to why there is no blast crater... Uh, when the uh, lunar landing, when the, the lunar module is either landing or taking off, I would love to hear that explanation because that's one I can't explain. No blast crater. One would suspect uh, when that craft was both landing and taking off, there would be a blast crater. Uh, but there does not appear to be. All right, 416-360-0740 in the Toronto area and toll free from out of town, one 740 now, here's a little mystery for you. Uh, Jay Widener uh, was uh, to be with us on the program tonight, and uh, the phone numbers he gave us were not correct. And then his website mysteriously went down just before the program. So we're hoping that Jay Widener is okay. If you're listening, Jay, give us a call. We've sent you the, uh, the numbers. Uh, but... Um, Time is running short, so perhaps we'll get Jay on the uh, the program another time. So, if you'd like to weigh in on the uh, program, give us a call. 416-360-0740, toll-free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Let me turn it over to our uh, special guest host, our contest winner once again, Richard Astley. Now, you were mentioning something, uh, sort of another angle uh, uh, about the Apollo 11 mission having to do with Kubrick and his filming of 2001 Space Odyssey. Well, there's there's also the look at it with it being when 2001 comes out. He gets it really right. With the color images he makes up in space, what he imagined are really right. We had And nobody had seen color images of that before of space. Was it just because he's a genius and he used all the scientific knowledge and all the advice he'd get into? So what, what, would, be the, what would be the explanation for that, that... that uh, they went to the moon before, or he he's just, he was in coercion with the with the guys. He's doing the simultaneous production, and he was faking the, the moon landings. And either, or he used possibly already footage that they had and helped them stage a proper Hollywood execution of the moon landing. All right, but but we we do know you know they did have footage from uh, Apollo eight when they were when they were Going orbiting around. the moon, mm -hmm. so they would have had footage from there. Hard to say. All right, we have is it Edward? Edward in Baltimore. I was uh, I was young when the Apollo ever landed on the moon, but exactly what day did uh, the Apollo land on the moon? July nineteen sixty-nine. July twenty-one was it not? July twenty-one. Would that be tomorrow? Four years ago tomorrow. Uh, that would be forty-six years ago. Uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, forty-six years ago yesterday. Correct. I see. Okay, then. Anything else? No, that's all. All right. Thanks for checking in from uh, Baltimore. How are oh. things down there? Quiet, I hope. Yes. They are? Good to know. You've gone through a lot. You're yeah. a fine city. All right. Thank you so much for the call, Edward. 
Okay, you're welcome. Okay, last call to the phones, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Do you believe the Apollo 11 mission, the lunar landing, was a hoax, as many have long suggested? 416-360-0740. And one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. All right. Let me uh, remind you once again. Uh, next week on the program, we're uh, we're hoping to get uh, Sharon Forster on uh, just to talk briefly. Sharon is the uh, the developer of our brand new app, the Conspiracy Show app, which is available to you at um, the Google at Google Play if you have happen to have an, an Android, and if you uh, have an iPhone or a tablet of some sort, a Mac tablet, uh, then you can get that through the iTunes store. Very excited about it, uh, but it is now officially available. And also, as a reminder, the website's still up and running, richardserrett.com, S-Y-R-E-T-T, richardserrett.com. While you're there, go to the um, the blue button on the left-hand side. Now, that's a, uh, a member login area. If you click on that blue button, you can register there. It's quick, it's fast, and my favorite word, free. So once you register, that's going to allow you access to all sorts of member-only areas like the uh, past show archive, where you can go back now and listen to previous shows going all the way back uh, to, I believe, I, I think it's July 2012, isn't it, Albert? All right, John is in Illinois. John, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. Fine, thank you. I want to talk about the blast craters. Yes. How do we well, explain that? No blast craters. The slow descent of the lunar excursion module would blow away most of the dust. Then, when it did land, it made its own launching pad because the bottom of the lunar excursion module stays uh, on the ground. Also, the flag would wave because the gases that are pressurized and released burning would blow towards the flag. So that's, that's how we account for the, the movement detected in the yes. flag. Yes. Okay, uh, explain again, the, you're saying that the low descent... Yes, it doesn't land like really hard. It's slower, and it's blowing away the dust in a wider area. So you're not going to get a crater in one uh, place really deep. Also, if you notice the uh, the spikes on the lander, the legs on it, correct? They don't go all the way in because the gases uh, from this uh, slow descent have blown away a lot of the dust. All right, that makes sense. That makes. And that when makes it sense. lands, there's two pieces to the lunar lunar excursion module. Uh, the bottom part becomes the launching pad. So when it takes off from that uh, launching pad, which it splits in half, the top part with the two men in it, that goes up into space. Now that, there would have been a blast crater, but there can't be because it's on top of the uh, assembly there. So when the gases, if you've ever seen the picture, they had a camera on the surface of the moon that that showed the blast-off of the lunar excursion module. Correct. And you will see that it blows the flag. That's the gases escaping from the ignition of the rocket. So there's no atmosphere there. That's the blowing of the gases from the ignition of the rocket, which are under pressure and ignited. Right, right. So that explains the flag and the... uh, Lack of the blast crater. I appreciate you checking in with that. What what uh, town in Illinois are you calling in from again? Uh, Berwyn. Berlin. Berwyn. Berwyn. I'm a Berwyn. And yeah. how are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening on uh, a radio uh, that's uh, Grundig, <laughs> and I'm able to pick it up. You're able to pick up our flagship station AM 740 that's all the way right. in uh, uh, Illinois. Yeah. Excellent. Good to know. Yeah. I so appreciate it, John. I just thought I'd throw that in. And the reflective uh, surfaces, there's the 
the lunar excursion module is covered with a lot of uh, mylar, which is highly reflective. Yes, yes. And that would also be a light source. That's an excellent point. Yeah. I never even considered that. Well, thank you so much, John. Great okay. to meet you. Okay, thank you. And keep up the good work. Thank you. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. John in Berwyn, Illinois. There you go. Listening in on our flagship station, AM740, the largest or one of the largest broadcast footprints in North America. 50,000 watts of truth, peace, and love, baby. All right. Uh, Next week on the program, we're going to talk about autism uh, with John Micah. Uh, He'll be with us, and I hope you'll be along for that as well. All right. Last calls to the phone, 416-360-0740, toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. A final word to, to you, Rick Astley. Anything you'd like to say? Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm just wondering when we're going to get to see another summit from uh, you. Well, uh, I, I'll tell you something. Uh, we're thinking about doing something in November, but uh, it's a little early. I can't divulge too much. Uh, I'll tease you though. It has to do with it has to do with um, uh, the days of Noah. Oh. I'll just leave it there, as in the days of Noah. So um, hopefully, we'll have uh, news on that. But we're looking at something uh, much later in the fall. Great to have you with us. Uh, thank you so much. Awesome show you have here. All right. My thanks, of course, uh, to Tim Spreen for technical production. Albert Vinzel, as always, for uh, story producing, taking care of the website, and uh, being the driving force between our app, our, or for our app, rather, the Conspiracy Show app, once again, now officially unveiled and available at Google Play and uh, iTunes. Get it now. It's a free download and take the conspiracy show with you wherever you go. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.